Six-year-old Steve Irwin already knows what's in the box before he opens it for his birthday. He has been looking forward to this gift for a long time and eagerly lifts the giant snake out of the box. <laughs> his parents are just as thrilled. As conservationists, they've been teaching him how to handle animals since he was very small. As Steve begins to play with his new pet, his parents watch, wondering the impact their child will have on Australia's future. Brains of people are more interested than the looks, I think. Electric power is everywhere present in a limited quantity. Jane, if you really want something and you work hard and you take advantage of opportunity and you never give up. You're listening to The Human Angle, a podcast that focuses on the hidden lives of scientists, asking what makes them human. I'm your co-host, Kim Castleberry, here with my fellow co-host, Kenna Castleberry. Thanks, Kim. And thank you to all of our listeners out there. With your support, we can continue making these amazing episodes. If you're a new listener, you can find our podcasts on all your favorite platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other places. Be sure to follow our show to get updates, and if you like today's episode, like it and share it with your friends. Today's episode covers beloved TV icon and animal scientist Steve Irwin. We'll be talking about Irwin's work in Australia, his film career, and his tragic death. Research for this episode came from the Australian Zoo and the Steve Irwin website. I should admit that before we begin, this episode is going to be difficult to get through for many of us. Like a lot of our listeners, Steve Irwin was a large part of my own childhood. Mm -hmm. I remember watching the Crocodile Hunter movie over and over again as a child and was part of the generation that was inspired to study wildlife because of Steve Irwin. I hope that this episode pays tribute to his legacy and highlights just how special he was as a scientist and an individual. So now we can get started. Irwin was born on his mother's birthday, September 22, 1962, to Lynn and Bob Irwin in Upper Ferntree Gully, a suburb of Melbourne. He moved with his parents as a child to Queensland in 1970, where he attended Lansborough State School and Caloundra State High School. Irwin described his father as a wildlife expert interested in herpetology, while his mother Lynn was a wildlife rehabilitator. So, already in his genes from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> After moving to Queensland, Bob and Lynn Irwin started the small Queensland Reptile and Fauna Park, where Steve grew up around crocodiles and other reptiles. He caught his first venomous snake, a common brown, at the tender age of six, and would often arrive late to school after convincing his mother to pull over so he could rescue a lizard off the side of the road. <laughs> By the time he was nine years old, he was helping his dad catch small problem crocodiles hanging around boat ramps by jumping on them in the water and wrestling them back into the dinghy. He always had an uncanny sixth sense when it came to wildlife and spent his life honing that skill. In the 1980s, Steve spent months on end living in the remote areas of far north Queensland, catching problem crocodiles before they ended up shot by a poacher's bullet. He worked with his little dog, Suey, and developed crocodile capture and management techniques that are still utilized with crocodilians around the world today. By 1980, the family wildlife park was called the Queensland Reptile and Fauna Park and where Steve called home. Steve and his best friend, Wes Mannion, worked countless hours caring for the wildlife and maintaining the grounds. In 1991, Steve took over managing the wildlife park and met Terry Raines, a visiting tourist, on the 6th of October. Terry said at the time, quote, I thought there was no one like this guy anywhere in the world. He sounded like an environmental Tarzan, a larger-than-life superhero guy, end quote. After four months, the couple got engaged. 
Steve and Terry were married in Eugene, Oregon on the 4th of June, 1992 at the Methodist church Terry's grandmother used to attend. Although the Irwins were happily married, they did not wear wedding rings. They believed that in their line of work, wearing jewelry could pose a hazard to them and or the animals. Instead of a honeymoon, the couple embarked on filming a wildlife documentary with John Stantian for the Best Picture Show Company. The show was so successful, it was turned into a series, and the crocodile hunter was born. The series debuted on Australian TV screens in 1996 and made its way into North American television the following year. The crocodile hunter became successful in the United States, the UK, and over 130 countries, reaching 500 million people. Irwin's exuberant and enthusiastic presenting style, the broad Australian accent, the signature khaki shorts, and the catchphrase crikey became known worldwide. Sir David Attenborough praised Irwin for introducing many to the natural world, saying, quote, he taught them how wonderful and exciting it was. He was a born communicator, end quote. American satellite and cable television channel Animal Planet ended The Crocodile Hunter with a series finale titled Steve's Last Adventure. The Crocodile Hunter documentary spanned three hours with footage of Irwin's across-the-world adventure in locations including the Himalayas, the Yangtze River, Borneo, and the Kruger National Park. After The Crocodile Hunter, Irwin went on to star in other Animal Planet documentaries including Croc Files, The Crocodile Hunter Diaries, and New Breed Vets. Animal Planet also created the annual Croc Week Marathon, which lasted a full week in the middle of June every year from 2000 to 2007. Steve and Terry worked tirelessly to improve and expand the wildlife park. Renaming it Australia Zoo in 1998, their vision for the world's best zoo was coming to fruition. Steve's message of conservation through exciting education is achieved every day within this zoo. Steve treasured every opportunity to share his love of wildlife with his children, Bindi and Robert. He instilled in them the need to treat every living being with kindness. Steve was incredibly proud of his children and often said that if he was to be remembered for anything, he hoped that it would be for being a good dad. Under Irwin's leadership, the conservation operations grew to include the zoo, the television series, the Steve Irwin Conservation Foundation, later renamed Wildlife Warriors, and the International Crocodile Rescue. Improvements to the Australian Zoo included the Animal Planet Crocoseum, the Rainforest Aviary, and the Tiger Temple. Irwin mentioned that he was considering opening, opening an Australia Zoo in Las Vegas, Nevada, and possibly other sites around the world. Yeah. <laughs> Starts from a, from a young child playing with snakes to yes. spreading the message across the world. I think that just goes back to we all have a passion. What is our passion for? Yeah. Right? Clearly his was set out. Yeah. Young age. Yep. Irwin's only starring feature film role was in 2002, The Crocodile Hunter Collision Course, which was released to mixed reviews. In the film, Irwin, who betrays himself and performs numerous stunts, mistakes some CIA agent for poachers. He sets out to stop them from capturing the crocodile, which, unknown to him, has actually swallowed a tracking transmitter. The film won the Best Family Feature Film Award for a comedy film at the Young Artists Award. And the film was produced on a budget of about $12 million and has grossed $33 million. In November of 2003, Irwin was filming a documentary on sea lions off the coast of Baja California Peninsula in Mexico when he heard via his boat's radio that two scuba divers were reported missing in the area. Irwin and his entire crew suspended operations to aid in the search. 
His team's divers searched with the rescue divers, and Irwin used his vessel to patrol the waters around the island where the incident occurred, as well as using his satellite communication system to call in a rescue plane. On the second day of the search, kayakers found one of the divers, Scott Jones, perched on a narrow rock ledge jutting out from the side of a cliff. Irwin and a crew member escorted him to Irwin's boat. The other lost diver, Kate Vrooman, was found dead by a search plane later the same day not far from Jones's location. After questions arose in 2003 about Irwin being paid $175,000 worth of taxpayers' money to appear in a television advertisement and his possible political ties, Irwin told the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, ABC, that he was a conservationist and did not choose sides in politics. Irwin was a passionate conservationist and believed in promoting environmentalism by sharing his excitement about the natural world rather than preaching to people. He was concerned with conservation of endangered animals and land clearing leading to loss of habitat. He considered conservation to be the most important part of his work. Quote, I consider myself a wildlife warrior. My mission is to save the world's endangered species, end quote. Irwin bought, quote, large tracts of land, end quote, in Australia's Venuntu, Fuji, and the United States, which he describes as like nature parks, and stressed the importance of people realizing that they could each make a difference. Irwin died on September 4th, 2006, after being pierced in the chest by a stingray barb while filming in the Great Barrier Reef. The stinger penetrated his thoracic wall, causing massive trauma. He was at Bat Reef near Port Douglas, Queensland, taking part in the production of the documentary series Ocean's Deadliest. Irwin's death is believed to be the only fatality from a stingray captured on video. His death was met with shock and grief by fans, the media, governments, and nonprofit organizations. A private funeral service took place on September 9, 2006. Irwin was buried in a private cemetery in Australia Zoo later that same day. A public memorial service was held in Australia Zoo, 5,500-seat Croc Museum on September 30, 2006. This service was broadcast live and it is estimated to have been seen by over 300 million viewers worldwide. Irwin provided his voice for the 2006 animated film Happy Feet as an elephant seal named Trev. The film was dedicated to Irwin as he died during the post-production. In 2007, Bindi, released the documentary My Daddy, the Crocodile Hunter, in Steve's memory. Steve Irwin Day is an annual event on November 15th honoring the life and legacy of Irwin. The date was chosen because it takes place on the birthday of one of Irwin's favorite animals, a tortoise from the Galapagos Islands. In 2017, it was announced that Irwin would be posthumously honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame which was unveiled the following year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Again. So sad. This is a this is a hard episode to get through because not only was his death really recent like within the last 20 years or so, mm-hmm. but he was just such an inspirational person. Yeah. 
and made such a big impact. I think, you know, when most people think of conservation or biology, they immediately think of Steve Irwin. Yeah. And, and I think to his point, you know, he causes us to think that one person can make a difference, right? Absolutely. We, we think the task is so daunting, you know, looking at climate change now, right? And, and just the, the dire situations we face, you know, with these epic fires and flooding and mudslides and, you know, on and on it goes and the rising temperature. And he was one person, but the impact that he caused. Absolutely. And so I think for us to honor him, to to be, be that voice too, right, in our yeah. community. Absolutely. I think the other thing too that was earlier or that was mentioned earlier in the episode was, you know, he didn't preach to people. Like he just, he literally became famous for sharing his excitement about animals. Right. Which I think is amazing. And, and yeah. you know, it just shows, like you said earlier, what are you passionate about? Mm-hmm. If you're passionate about something, it's going to come through and, and people will see that right. and be attracted to right. that. Yeah. So, what are you called to, right? Yeah, exactly. So. And and I, I love here that um, David Attenborough. Oh, yeah. I, know, I thought it was amazing. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Because you think same thing, right? David Attenborough such a... Oh, yeah, he's such a big name in conservation, too. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out and he's, you know, talking to uh, to about Steve Irwin. And he just says, mm-hmm. you know, he was a born communicator, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And just amazing. Yep. So, well, thank you for listening to our episode on Steve Irwin. Stay tuned for our next episode the following year. The following year? Tell us, Kenna. Well, we're going to be taking a short break for the holidays. Okay. So we'll be back in January. All right. We're excited for January. Yes, we are. Stay tuned.